Thank you very much, Harry Connick Jr.'s backup brass band, for <laughs> your rendition of our theme and welcome. Oh, I'm sorry, I had to really set that up. <laughs> the Champagne Comedy Podcast. This is the episode 14 where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show, and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is, in backwards order, Prue, Kim, Daniel, and Alison. I feel like Prue does not get enough love at the very beginning. <laughs> it's fine. I don't mind coming in backwards order. That sounds ooh. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say it's quite a novelty for me to be at the end of an alphabetical list. So, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's good fun. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you very much for downloading this podcast, and uh, yeah, and yeah, thanks for subscribing. We are getting lots more and more feedback, which brings me to and we actually have some email feedback, and this is from Jeff, who was talking, uh, who reached out to us about you know how we every now and then we do bring up Piss Week World that happens in a few episodes. He actually has his own Piss Week World story. So he was listening to the podcast on the weekend and one of the sketches on Piss Week World reminded him of something. So this is long ago now and he's very sketchy on the details. In the late 90s or in the early noughties, his sister lived in Prague for some time and he can't find the email that he was sent so he doesn't know the exact date or place that this occurred. But I still, do, sorry, he still does have the photos which we will tweet out later on. And uh, he was... His sister was being shown around by someone he, she met in Prague. He can't remember what country this was in, and it may have been the Czech Republic or some Eastern European country. They had come to a small village where a fair, where there was a fair of some sort being held, and all she could think of was Piss Week World. The two highlight, highlights that <laughs> she had sent to him were the photos, which, we, as I said, we'll tweet out, one getting rolled down a hill in a big cardboard tube and <laughs> and a ride of a horse through the forest. So she swears that there were queues of kids up to teenagers generally waiting for these things and she was absolutely pissing herself laughing when while being told by <laughs> the local friends of being rude about their local customs. So... Uh, yeah, and as we oh, better stop the typewriter now. How cheap is Jeff typing his letter on a typewriter as opposed to? <laughs> yeah, oh, that was that was murder on my fingers making those sound effects. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for telling me to stop. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, yeah, we've all seen the photos and, yeah, it is pretty piss weak. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's literally a big cardboard tube with a kid inside rolling down a hill. I mean, what what is not piss weak about that? It's like a giant toilet roll. It still yeah. looks really yeah, fun to is. ride, though. It's probably hugely dangerous as well, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a kid inside. My, my experience of um, Prague 
I, I went in 2001 to visit Prague and, and basically there were a lot of hangovers from the communist era, let, let's just put it that way, including a lower standard of OH&S than we might be used to in, in Australia or other countries. Yep. So if, if you have any photos of any other theme parks, preferred defunct so we don't get sued, uh, feel free to send through some photos of some really piss-weak theme park uh, images that you've got from your archives there's no prize in it because our prizes are reserved for our regular uh, late show comp which we'll get a bit to later on other news yeah. uh and now we've got to uh, pay tribute to the one and only michael gudinski who is the owner of or the creator of mushroom records as well as liberation music now he had helped out the dgen working dog team um, and international skylarking, do I dare say, uh, in regards to a lot of, of the Degeneration albums, as well as anything Martin Malloy and the panel and so forth, but especially uh, these little jingles that we do know. Loving King of Pop and a countdown host enough song almost everywhere. I've been listening to my last recording. We need wheelchair rats wherever we play. That was five in a row. <laughs> and also, don't forget the sequel. I'm a skateboarder, rocker. My haircut's a shocker. And my clothes are out shot rejects. But when we play a contest now, they reinforce the stage. Now those decks are gone, and my shirt stays on. I'm a sexy Scientologist. Just a decent hat. I sit in the center dance of chiropractic chair. <laughs> Five more in a row. But if Very well edited, Matt, by the way. Thank you. I could have easily cheated and gone directly to the Wayne recaps, but I thought, no, I will add that little bit more extra element to it just to show that I made some effort. Now, some of, some of those acts that they were parodying there were actual Gadinsky acts, weren't they? Correct. I think. So much of Gadinsky uh, was attached to these guys. He also, I mean, it was part of his idea to help release the Brown album Poop Shoot and Eat Your Peas from the Martin Malloy collection. So this is Gadinsky on Martin Malloy when the Brown album was being released. What are these? <laughs> well, you know, EMI have got the Beatles and Mushroom have got Martin and Malloy. <laughs> All right. And we've got something that looks like a document there to be signed. For, for the first right? time ever on nationwide radio, a Brown contract will be signed in and, blood. And right. Brown. It looks like one of those big shopping bags that you get at a supermarket. Is that what we're signing here? That's right. These are actual record company contracts on Brown paper. And you're telling me that's a first? That is a definite first. <laughs> okay. Now, have we read these, Mick? Or oh, don't, you, oh, don't worry about the fine print, uh, lads. Just the sign. check's in the Look, mail. Look, at Look at that face. <laughs> hey, how can you not trust That's a it. face like that, T-Martin? <laughs> then uh, what, uh, what do we do? See that little spot there? We sign that, but that's your name. No, that's not really. <laughs> oh, okay. International Skylark. Uh, yeah, right, okay. Well, I've signed something, Mick. We'll take care of you. Mick, come back. You can't leave me here alone. I've signed mine, Jonathan Coleman. That's 
a month. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. So what, what does this mean now, Michael? This now means that we are going to barnstorm the whole of Christmas and bombard the whole of Australia with brown albums. And uh, if you've got anything else to plug while you're here, Michael, because we ask all the guests. What's, well, what's I think the... um, I think we've got a few tickets left for Tom Jones and the Eagles, and I think you've got Tom in tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Now, yeah. uh, Michael, uh, am I right in saying you're the person who brought Keanu Reeves out here? Was that your idea? <laughs> Uh, it certainly was, and um, the girls are certainly still talking about it. <laughs> okay. We've signed some very brown bits of paper, and I'm sure they'll be processed, and uh, hopefully the album's uh, just moments away from you. Welcome local. to the team. We'll see you on the top of the charts. <laughs> Is it legal to sign brown paper? <laughs> I feel like that's a bit dodgy. So that's all I've got for about Kodinsky. So, uh, yeah, farewell. Yeah, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had the comedy albums that we've got today. His, his contribution to the Australian recording industry is pretty impressive, really. When you read or, or listen to some of the tributes, it, a really incredible amount of albums he released, bands he supported, um, concerts he organised, you know, international acts that, that may not have ever come to Australia. Re- really incredible legacy of work. And Daniel? you got some news. Yeah, I suppose you could call this section uh, spotted, really. Um, I heard something that uh, referenced The Late Show. So there's a, a guy uh, who has his um, own show on 3AW by the name of Simon Owens. Tonight's actually uh, his last episode of the series because the football's returning. He's doing a mammoth five-hour shift as we're recording. Can you imagine talking for five hours? Well, that's pretty much close to us <laughs> without the editing. <laughs> well, yeah, just about, I suppose. Simon's got a segment on his show called Compilation Conversations. Um, we're going to be talking a bit later about um, TV shows ripping off other TV shows. Really, he's ripping off the format of our podcast, really. He chats with somebody about a various artist compilation and they go through track by track and talk about it. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, talking uh, about uh, the compilation Through the Roof 83 with John Vertigan, who's the breakfast show host on Easy Music 3MP. So they're getting to a track on the compilation Red Red Wine by UB40. And it reminds Simon about something from The Late Show. Have a listen to this. But I am always taken to a degeneration sketch, I think it was, where they yeah. did UB40. They, they had an album that was coming out called UB40 Stuff Up Your Favourite Hits. And, and, <laughs> and they just got all these all these classic songs that have been done and just did them all with a reggae beat. Reggae. Yeah. yeah. And, cool. and, that, that, that rings a vague bell. Yeah. And I, that, that always comes to mind. They've they've ruined... The D-Gen ruined so many things for me over the years uh, just by, oh, yeah. by their, their perfect parodies and send-ups. So anytime I hear UB40, I think, oh, yes, UB40, Stuff Up Your Favourite Hits. And, uh, Degeneration and, quotes come to me like young one quotes uh, on a daily basis from that Satanic Sketches album. Yes, um, just quotes, just just from everyday life, something will pop up, and uh, something from that album yep. um, will be there every time. They are absolute masters. So there we go. UB40 uh, stuff up your favourite hits, and apparently the DJ stuff up pop culture in general. <laughs> and uh, the sketch that uh, Simon was referring to is from 1993, season 2, episode 13. Here it is. You've heard them do Sunny and Cher. You've heard them do Now the world's most tedious cover band have a new album. UB40, screw up your favourite hits. 
Madonna. Don McLean. Plastic Bertrand. <laughs> yes, this is reggae at its whitest. You <laughs> be forty. Screw up your favourite hits. So there we go. If you uh, want to hear um, the rest of the compilation conversation, along with a whole bunch of other stuff, Simon's also a co-host at 3AW on Remember When with um, celebrity stooge Philip Brady. Um, and, yeah, uh, basically everything Simon does is available on podcasts. You can check it all out at IamSimonOwens.com. Well, thank you, Daniel. Since we've got the spotlight on you, Daniel, do you want to start with the program guide before we hop into the episode? Uh, yes, back to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so looking at what was up against uh, Season 1, Episode 14, I'm looking at the critical guide to the weekend's TV from the Melbourne Age. Just like a regular TV listing, except that Ross Warnicke has to butt in with his own comments. So on Channel 7, uh, this is kind of fortuitous because it comes up later on in this episode, the film Cocktail, a 1988 teenage fantasy, says Warnicke, Sheep thrills are plenty in this abysmal tale of a barman played by Tom Cruise who seems more intent on playing New York's bimbos than mixing drinks with Brian Brown. Uh, <laughs> Just a, a log in the corner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, then on Channel 9, uh, Hey Hey It's Saturday had Sigourney Weaver, Elton John and R.E.M. as guests. Then at 8.30, again... Uh, carrying on a bit of a Western theme that they've had the past few weeks, uh, they've got the 1969 Western True Grit. If you have ever questioned John Wayne's appeal, this film, for which he won an Oscar, might dispel your doubts. He plays an ageing US Marshal who, along with the Texas Ranger, played by singer Glenn Campbell, is recruited by a girl, played by Kim Darby, to hunt down her father's killer. Not a great film, but Wayne almost saves it. Uh, then on Channel 10, we've got the first game of uh, three in the NBL final series, Southeast Melbourne Magic versus Melbourne Tigers, live from National Tennis Centre. Then on SBS, we've got a 1966 Danish drama called Hunger. Says Warnicke, an excellent adaptation of Knut Hansen's novel about an impoverished writer played by Per Oskarsson, whose relationship with a beautiful woman ends in humiliation. And it was an Oscar nominee in 1967. Okay, so that brings us to the ABC. So uh, last week we had the last episode of Alexi Sales stuff. So this week we've got a brand new lead-in. Does anybody remember what it uh, was? I'm hoping it's Birds of a Feather. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid I might have to disappoint you there. It's not Birds of a Feather yet again. Is it? Okay, is it Smith & Jones? Although we've had Smith & Jones, haven't we? No, we've, 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 we've had Smith & Jones. It was sort of in the vein of Birds of a Feather in that it was sort of like a dramedy kind of a sitcom, if that helps jog any memories. Murder Most Horrid? I'm not sure if that was even happening yeah, in 1992. I think, yeah, I think that was a bit later. Was it, in fact, No Job for a Lady, which they talk about in the... <laughs> That was airing around this time, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't on Saturday nights. Um, okay, so nobody's uh, no nobody yeah, has any idea. Okay, well maybe this will help jog your memory. A uh, one, two, three, four. Gotta get up, gotta get out. Oh, bread! Bread! Oh. Gotta find it, 
get us a share Making bread out of nothing but air Riding high and hitting the ground Elephant's dancing <laughs> Watched it? Did anyone ever watch Bread? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I used to no. watch Bread. It was on weeknights. It was sort of like like eight thirty or something. It was it was pretty early in the evening, I remember. But I, so why the hell it was on Saturday nights? I do not know. Maybe as a filler show. Yeah, it's like one of those like only fools and horses where I never really watched it. It just sort of was like, yeah, okay, five minutes, I'm done. Off I go. <laughs> yeah. After the late show, we've got Sticky Moments on tour. Then at 11.40, the film Three Secrets, a 1950 drama, says Warnicky, a good semi-soapy about three mothers waiting to hear which of their children survived a plane crash with Eleanor Parker, Patricia Neal and Ruth Roman. Then at 1.15, Rage with Peter Gabriel, uh, along with a note that, oh, Daylight Saving commences at 2 a.m. You would have had an hour less of Peter Gabriel, maybe. And uh, last <laughs> night, I know, is, is, is that a plus or a minus? I don't know. Ross Warnicke puts in uh, one of his uh, critiques next to the listening of The Late Show, patchy at best live sketch comedy series. I like that other review you read out of his earlier where he just said, what did he say? Abysmal. But <laughs> <laughs> like the economy of his language is just, yeah, right. Good on you. I just realised I've got an article here from that day. Uh, oh, damn it, I can't really show it. But I'll tweet it out later. From the age uh, 24th of October 1992, which is the day that this episode of The Late Show was going to air. And it's an article based purely on Tony Martin, uh, written by Peter Wilmoth. Wilmoth? Oh, what's the um the subheading? Is it my favorite Martin? Or? That's the one. <laughs> Our favorite Martin. I'll tweet this out, the full article, but I just want to point out this little paragraph at the very beginning. When Tony Martin was preparing a pilot show for Channel Nine, which did not eventuate, he spent some time uh, and fine hours in the station's archives, stumbling across a hero who has spanned the generations. There was an Ernie Sigley show live from Pentridge, he recalls. Ernie and Denise Drysdale come out and sing show tunes, and Pete Smith comes out with his head in a picture frame and says, I've been framed, with all these mass murderers sitting there fairly unamused. Which, you know, oh, you yeah. fast forward a couple of years later to the Mick Malloy show in 1999 and he plays that clip. So he's been holding on to that <laughs> since 1992. Well, the, the the research was worth it. And if you want to go see Ernie Sigley in Pentridge, go over to YouTube and there it is for you. Yeah, yeah. it's it's always interesting uh, look, looking at these um, TV guides with, um, with the recommendations left in because we don't seem to get any of that nowadays. No, possibly, possibly because there's something like 30 channels instead of five now. Let's get into the episode. Season 1, episode 14 of The Late Show, broadcast Saturday, October 24th, 1992. And we have a cold opening, which is an ABC announcement. The Late Show is unfortunately going to air as advertised. Stay tuned <laughs> for after the show for a very special, hilarious episode of No Job for a Lady. Penelope Keith plunges to a death thanks to an axe-wielding Peter Bowles. <laughs> Ah, blood gushing mayhem. 
You just got to love it when Tony just cheeses up the British TV or anything from the BBC. Peter Bowles wasn't actually in No Job for a Lady, but he was in about 3,000 other sitcoms with Penelope Keith. No, they had a lot of chemistry. They were like Nicole Kidman and Colin Firth. You know, you got to give them that credit. Yeah, they definitely were. So, yeah, No, no Job for a Lady was airing on the ABC uh, Tuesdays at 8.30. I can read you the little uh, synopsis for the next episode that's coming up. Uh, BBC comedy series about a Labour MP. Uh, tonight's episode called Sugar and Spice. Jean's involvement in a child custody battle causes her to question male and female behaviour. Oh, and that's followed by Red's Wharf. <laughs> I love your reaction to that. That's it, that's, that's it. <laughs> so we've got the opening remarks after the opening titles, and we have Mick and Tony jumping on the couches, and these guys <laughs> are angry. So as they've been ripped off because they've, they're calling out all their poor imitations overseas. Should point out that Mick's sporting a bit of a Lego hair look in this episode. I think he got a haircut oh, yeah. in between weeks. You've nailed it, Kim. It is a Lego <laughs> haircut. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and Skivvies are back. He's wearing a black one. Yeah. There's His whole look just screams 1992. Just... Yeah. 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 He's obviously sort of, you know, I should... I'm on national television. I'm on a popular show. I should try and try and look good. And and I remember like halfway through the late show, he seemed to lose a bunch of weight and get his hair cut. So he was obviously kind of getting a bit self-conscious at that point. It's it's interesting because they, in in this particular episode, they later on in the show, they show some pre-recorded sketches where he's still got the long hair. I'm, I'm not going to pronounce the names of the segments and the titles in the foreign language because you have, Imitations from Germany, Hong Kong, and Holland. So if you've already got them written down, by all means, you can have an attempt at it. I don't want to embarrass myself. Well, okay. Der Leitenhausen is not very hard to pronounce. (laughs) Hey, I just said bowels and not bowls for Peter Bowles earlier. (laughs) That's true. And then, of course, Holland's Der Klomp Zinken. That was the best one. (laughs) Yeah. Just for fun, I put that through Google Translate just to see what they would say. Um, and then they said, and this time we are going to squeeze Dirk's buttocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually put it through the, you know, the Google Home. So it was actually a lady telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I, I, put, I put the phrase de clomp zinken into Google Translate to go from Dutch to English. And it, it translates to sink the lump. <laughs> <laughs> but but, he, but if, you, if you put sink the slipper into Google Translate going from English to Dutch, the Dutch for sink the slipper is zink and de pantoffel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Which is even funnier. Sink the clog, isn't it, rather than slipper? <laughs> yeah, maybe it is, yeah. yeah. Well, be I more think painful. Clomp. clomp is a clog. Clomp, clomp, clomp. <laughs> <laughs> Very painful. And and they, they sort of add to the potential pain by having the, the Dutch hostess carrying those kind of buckets on the stick or, or on her back. Yeah. yeah. So she could yeah. just hit... Hit the guy's butt, hit Dirk Hartog's butt with with her buckets. But I, I'm wondering why the Dutch are so upset with Dirk Hartog. And I'm, I'm wondering maybe if it's because he was only the second successful European to land in Australia rather than the first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the first one... The first one was Dutch as well, I think. Yeah, it's it's really odd seeing yes seeing the the Dutch uh, people in their national dress and then also the the German people in, in the lederhosen and, and yeah ha- having having to speak in in German and like thankfully you can sort of make out names every now and again so they talk about 
there's another reference to the main event and Georgie Parker. Yes, that is what and something like hilarious. <laughs> it's, yeah, he, he says something like, "That's not Georgie Parker. That's just Narika." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I think I think again, I think this might be Tony <laughs> Martin's writing uh, coming out in this because they they throw to Herman G. Mit the latent housing news, and then the, one of the hosts throws in a Schnell Schnell. Yeah, that's <laughs> <called> Rob. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone think that Herman G. looked a bit like Wayne Hope? Because when I saw him, I thought, oh wow, that's Wayne Hope, and it's not Wayne Hope, but it looks an awful no. lot like. Yeah, I no, I think they were all just casted. Maybe they were asked to say a bit of German. They had a Hong Kong version of Shit Scared as well, featuring sidekick Xinhua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was disappointed that that wasn't in the original language, to be fair. Tony, in, in introducing all of this, says that the segment's being ripped off, hasn't happened in Australia, and then sort of knowingly looks into camera and says, that could never happen. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, is, is, is that a, a reference? Uh, the, the only reference I can think of would be to Night Live, yeah, which, every, yeah. which everybody reckoned was uh, a, a rip-off of uh, David Letterman's Late Show. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've definitely written that down. I said, is this a reference to Steve Weiser? That's my little quote there. And then I used to joke that um, David Letterman ripped off The Late Show because this isn't in the name. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's not true. Just, that was just always my little joke. And even in back when I launched my little GeoCities website in 1996, I had to always say "Degeneration the Late Show" because people would just go, "Oh, it's this is about David Letterman," because hardly <laughs> using the internet. No, Australian. it's an oh, Australian show. Of course, it gets a bit lost in time that we had no point of reference to what Steve Vizard was doing. Like it was a very grand heist that. Yeah, old like you know, unless you were traveling and you went to the US and you saw Dave Letterman's show, you really didn't have any idea that it was a complete rip off and mm. a, and an insulting rip off too. I mean, it's okay to take a format, I guess, if you paid for it. I don't think he did, and and do it again in your own way. But he didn't do it in his own way. He just completely ripped it off. <laughs> and, and I think I I think Tony was kind of outraged about it and was trying to let us know which is fabulous, and we really didn't find out for a couple of years. So it's so yeah. strange to think that. Well, here's something from the article that Tony had uh, been mentioned in the My Favourite Martin, or Our Favourite Martin. The DGEN made five pilot shows for Channel 9, which were designed to compete against the Visard show, but they didn't get off the ground. We never had a front man, and I think the network's like a picture of someone to put in the foyer, Martin says. We did our pilots in the same studio as Dennis Walter, we had to wait until he finished Kino, so a bit of the Walter magic had has rubbed off on us. Um, <laughs> there has been the suggestion that Martin is bitter that he was not asked oh, no. to join Fast Forward and enjoy its mainstream success. People have said, I bet he's really pissed off, but I'm not. I'm happy with what I'm doing. The bitter and twisted stuff, whenever... When we could get the pilots off the ground, we've always gone back to radio. I, I, I couldn't picture Tony being a part of a fast-forward larger ensemble, really. He would either have, have written a lot of material and really changed the tone of fast-forward, or he would have been sort of kicked out because he wasn't sort of playing along in the same way as the others. You know, he couldn't write to that style. I mean, fast-forward is just a completely different beast. It's like... Buster yeah. Keaton, uh, Keaton going to MGM, you know, it's like he lost all control and, <laughs> you know, the same thing. Yeah. Fast forward with just these really great cast members who went to this writer's room 
and it was just completely different, whereas you wouldn't want to lose the control that the D-Gen had, which was so great. Well, this is what the article also says. Off Fast Forward, the show that features several of his former D-Gen colleagues, he told a university newspaper, I once counted 26 writers on Fast Forward. I don't know if there have been 26 jokes on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Mick and Tony mentioned that they'll be talking to a very old man and he's the only person who hasn't seen Madonna's breasts yet. So this is in regards to (laughs) Madonna with her new sex book out. So we have News Desk with Tommy G and here are the straight up bullet points. Royal outrage as German Chancellor goes the grope on the Queen. That was a really intense grope. (laughs) It was like they said, no, shoot it again. It's got to be deeper. (laughs) (laughs) Pavarotti heads off allegations of miming and they show a clip of him uh, out of sync singing. And Boris Yeltsin scores the first Russian copy of Madonna's new book where it shows a book (laughs) and he just closes it, yeah. Now the opposition releases industrial relations policy and the main feature of Jobs Back is no penalty rates, no paid overtime and no master to beat his slave more than three times a day. (laughs) <laughs> nice Cut to John Howard delivering a speech and uh, standing on a booster case. That was pretty funny. That was. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now ACTU's president, Martin Ferguson, Rob, responds to it, uh, claims that everyone will love the alternate, which is especially because it's packaged as Madonna's sex book. <laughs> <laughs> and it puts Bill Gelty in a brand new light. This, um, no one, no one wants to see that. it's like completely lost on me because I have no point of reference to who Martin Ferguson was unlike Santo with that weirdly coincidental oh Robert Ray okay but like (laughs) this impression of Martin Ferguson is hilarious because he's I don't know you'll have to see it if you can but it's like he's cutting off the words really weirdly it's so hard to (laughs) explain I don't remember Martin Ferguson either, particularly. So I Googled him and, and I found some video interviews with him on YouTube. And he does actually weird, do that weird thing of cutting off his words like that. So so yeah. Rob speech very well, I think. I mean, all of Rob's impressions have got something in them that is just uncanny. It's like, oh, wow, he's nailed it. Like, do you remember when he did um, Kevin Rudd on the panel? It was sort of a, was it the panel or was it Santo Sam and Eds or something? And it was like, oh, wow, yeah. you know, we haven't seen Rob bust out an impression for a decade or something. And then he comes out and does this perfect Kevin Rudd. So, yeah. He, he obviously rehearses a lot. You know, he puts a lot of work into getting the detail right of these people. So uh, the UN sends 200 soldiers to Bosnia. They've already had run into issues like trying to work out which part of the gun that makes it go bang. So that was a visual joke. <laughs> a great, great bit of footage that was found, though. Now, Tommy introduces Wendy, the work experience person who reads out her own news story. Now, I actually <laughs> tried to track down Wendy, but I couldn't find her. So, Wendy, if you're listening... Feel free to reach out. Love to chat to you to see what it was like being on the show. I don't yeah. know. Do you reckon? Did you find that? Oh, that's she was too old because <laughs> that was the year that I. That was nineteen ninety two. That was after I did my work experience at school because I did it that year. Um, yeah. That's Smash Hits magazine. Year ten. Yeah, I was in year so, ten. So no that was yeah. That lady was a bit older. <laughs> they, they put a scrunchie in her hair and made her look younger, but she was an actress. <laughs> but still, the, look, the priceless look on Tom's face when he has that jealousy when she gets that big rap for the joke. Yeah. It's just, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, that I'm, was I'm, a... I'm not so sure that Wendy was an actor because she's listed in the credits as work experience script editor. Wendy Wendy Austra- Wendy Australis is her name. And it does, she doesn't exist on anything. Right. Ooh, well, okay. Yeah. Good on you, Wendy. Good job. Yeah. The joke is about the commissioner, the commissioner of taxation, resigning uh, because he found the job too taxing. Mm. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there yeah. we go. That, that's that's the reaction that that's that what was we're here for. Not, the, not the standing ovation and the flowers. And then and then Tommy absolutely. Uh, taking Wendy down a few pegs, uh, saying that it was a good effort from their work experience child, (laughs) (laughs) and then and then and then telling her to go and photocopy something. Yeah. (laughs) Now that Scotland and we have scientists using sonar equipment in Loch Ness, and they have picked up signals from a very sizable unidentified object. Researchers are baffled why Nolan Donohue is in the country. Very good. Yeah, and also <laughs> yeah. more Sylvania Waters jokes. Donahoe is uh, driving in Adelaide Grand Prix, hoping there's no booze buses on the track. And now, they made mileage out of that show, weren't they? Oh yeah. So Laurie was in the celebrity race for the Adelaide Grand Prix because this this was an annual thing that they used to do at the Adelaide Grand Prix. They do the celebrity race. Hmm. So, so Laurie was the level of celebrity they were able to get. Hang on, the Sylvania Waters diaries come out. What? Yeah. what have you- well, I don't know if he's actually, if, if I actually mentioned this, this aftermath, maybe they just wanted to make it look as negative as possible and all the fun stuff they left out. Leyland Brothers are forced to sell their theme park and Jane interviews Mel and Mike, Robin Santo, and what is the main attraction? The scale of model of Ayers Rock and, and Jane was standing on it. Oh, I love this. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, Robin Santo are back as the Leyland Brothers because everything about their outfit and the reddest wigs they can find in the wig department <laughs> at the ABC is just yeah. wonderful. But also I love the fact that um, Rob goes, I'm Mike, and Santo goes to introduce himself and Jane goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many people have gone through the theme park heaps especially liquidators yeah, i love that that line that comes out if you come now you can see the liquidators in their natural habitat amongst <laughs> and in melbourne australia's most wanted woman sherry paul was arrested for fraud and she went under many aliases where they showed a couple of photos Last one being Joe Bailey. Although, mind you, there was also like a, a laugh just as big. They they went through a whole bunch of photos of Cherie in various uh, actual guises, and the, the one that that got the biggest laugh was one where she's frowning and sort of almost bordering on impersonating Robert De Niro. Just about. <laughs> just that's that's all that's that's all I could think because it just it looks so ludicrous. Uh, South Australia scientists gather at Woomera base to launch an Australian-made rocket, Ozrock, which failed to launch three times. And scientists question the work of the coordinator. And they cut to uh, <laughs> shit scared Mick. <laughs> that footage they had of those rockets, I cannot believe. But also Tommy G's comment was, "Oh dear me." <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like that recent footage of Elon Musk's rocket. You know, launching yes. a rocket really hard. Hence the phrase, you know, it's rocket science. <laughs> Basically, anytime somebody says they're going to launch a rocket, you know, you're going to up, be up for some real comedy footage. Yeah. 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 Especially, especially when it takes three attempts and none of them launch. Like they did, like the writers didn't have to do much heavy lifting with it. They just played the footage because, like, yeah, first attempt, 
like a bit fell off, maybe like like Clarkins or the front fell off, maybe. Um, <laughs> attempt attempt number yep. two, like it sort of exploded and didn't launch, and then the third attempt, it just it was another fireball and yeah, just staying firmly on the ground. Well, they used yeah. the, the footage to promote uh, the next story, which was the largest ever air show at Avalon, where you had the protesters that were arrested mainly because of the appalling street theatre. But the displays that were on were the Russian jet, British stunt planes, and the Australian rocket, and they just showed that footage again. <laughs> well, so, did they show it, or they had the binoculars yeah. and they went downwards and they looked? Look, they didn't actually have to show it again; they were just looking down. <laughs> All right, we have a commercial, and it's the 1992 Holden setback. <laughs> I loved it. I love the line: "A completely inexplicable tool in the boot." I just love the fact that it's available in hatch and super hatch. But for an extra two thousand dollars, they'll add the word "super" to it. <laughs> or for an extra four, four and a half grand, they'll throw in free air conditioning. Seventy-five thousand dollars it costs to buy the Holden setback, and I think at the time you could buy a new car for what twenty twenty thousand or something. Yeah, it yeah. would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a pricey one. I I don't know nineteen ninety two finance. I I barely understand twenty twenty one finance. So <laughs> yeah, let, let's not, let's not let's get into We'll get, get into interest back. rates again, and it will all go wrong. <laughs> Gotta love a running joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, I also like the, that there's the phrase "chock a block" in the in the copy that Tony's uh, reading as a voiceover with mysterious screws in the glove box. And I like the jingle at the end. It's a setback. That's my car. Sung <laughs> very beautifully. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well done, Prue. The uh, stereo has a truly, truly unique sound, mind you. So does my wife, but I'm hardly going to make a commercial about it. And then, oh, like a similarly sort of uh, crappy joke, uh, talking about calling your dealer, uh, who will only be too happy to take the setback for a test drive, and when he comes back, he might let you take it one uh, for one too. <laughs> All right, the next bit is they're on the lounge and Mick wonders what goes on with those small construction tents that are built on a footpath in public. And then they play a sketch of tradespeople fine dining once they go into the tent underneath. So that one's on the best bits. It's nicely done, but it, it's sort of, it's a bit like a fast forward sketch, you know, the, there's basically only one joke in the whole thing and it's quite an elaborate setup. And mm-hmm kind of expect that once once you've got the over the original joke of oh underneath there's a there's a fine dining restaurant there's nothing more to it than that it just ends normally with the late show they would add a bit more to it and that's why it's a good show it's like uh it's less fast forwardy and more degeneration and it sort of seems elaborate but it isn't because all they've done is just taken a shot on the street and then cut to like a cafe probably the abc cafe and just put a, a ladder on the wall to make it look like they're coming down the manhole into this um secret restaurant so it's kind of cool but yeah there's not enough of a gag but nick yeah. and Tony are in tuxedos and that was fun yeah well, that's not featured in the uh, best bit so it's like that they've played the joke it went on for a bit too long or didn't get a big laugh and so when they've done the compilation they've cut that bit off well, oh. also th- thankfully they've cut out the ian mcfadgen like intro from uh skippy mick, <laughs> skippy mick. yeah that is. yeah that was so, you know like have you you know have you ever wondered what you know what those council tents are really for i think it would go a little like this <laughs> see that that's an example of them having to fill time isn't it so they they'll do a kind of slightly overlong intro just to fill up the time you know 
Which they later that, regret because they yeah. run over by five minutes this episode. Well, yeah, exactly. But but they thought they were going to run short, so they just put this sort of filler intro in. Yeah. The next uh, bit is, and they're still on the lounge, and it's now Tony setting up the postcard from Glen Rowan. And this is what the teaser was all about. That was the light and sound display at Glen Rowan. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't work out what it was until I, I heard the cap guns uh, going off. And yeah. like, ah, Ned Kelly. Okay. So is that genuine footage from when you were there? No, no, that was genuine footage. That was from YouTuber Mick Does Stuff. Love it. So, yeah. And he uploaded that about a year ago, so it seems pretty fresh. I went there in 2014 on my way back, moving from uh, – or after visiting – Victoria and coming back to or going back to Sydney and it hadn't changed too much from what you would see on the late show. And, and, and were you were you frightened? I was startled. I was Bob Franklin startled. Did they upgrade the signage? <laughs> well, what I actually did was this. I did exactly what Tony did. Ned Kelly's ye oldie wishing well. So while I'm here, I might just make a bit of a wish myself. Oh, damn, I'm still in Glen Rowan. That was just such a classic line. I remember when that was that aired and everyone at school would just say, damn, I'm still in, you know, English class or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that you'd be in some place you didn't want to be, you'd just say, damn. Matt, did you have a refreshing bottle of Kelly Cola while you were in Glen <laughs> Yes, I did. So there was actually two yep. places it's one whole thing, but it's operated in two separate entities. So you had the Glen Rowan or the Ned Kelly Museum, which is operated by uh, Rod and Chris, who have owned it for roughly 36 years. Then you have the uh, light and sound display, the animatronic display, or used to be operated by a guy named Bob. Now, because of this, I actually decided to reach out to the Ned Kelly Museum. As an exclusive Champagne Comedy podcast interview, I spoke to Chris, who is still running the Ned Kelly Museum. I had to send her the clip of Glen Rowan, of the Light Show postcard to Glen Rowan. She watched it, and then we had a chat later on. You've been running the museum for how many years? Nearly 36 years. I did go and have a look at the clip, and the kids knew all about it, so funny I didn't and uh, I didn't realise that they'd actually been in the shop. <laughs> it must have been a day, you know, that maybe a day that we weren't there and uh, we had staff on. So mm. what did you think altogether? Did you find it a very tongue-in-cheek? I'd seen the humour before, yes. Oh, it was like a, like a lot of other ones we've had um, over the time. I thought it was it was quite light and enjoyable and um, it certainly appealed to that, that the age group, the um, 30 to 50 age group. Yes. If I could get you to describe the actual museum itself. You step through the back of our shop into the museum and it's a, um, a static display. The, it tells the, the, the history of um, 
basically from when they migrated out here to the events of Glen Rowan. And then you've got a replica of the ramshackle hut as described by the commissioners when they went out to interview Mrs Kelly after Ned Kelly was hanged and Dan had died in the siege of Glen Rowan. They went out to interview her and they described her as being in, in a pretty dismal condition and um, the ramshackle hut. And, of course, there was a song written out about written about the ramshackle hut after that as well. From the clip that you saw, how much of your museum and display has changed since? The whole town has changed a lot. Um, the, the town's changed heaps since that. And, and amazingly enough, during COVID, um, there's four new businesses have opened at the end of um, end of last year. And the town's got a real buzz about it. There's um, a lot of new, like younger people coming in, and you know, with with new ideas, and that the whole the whole town is changing. And even property, like a lot of property, has I don't think there's a house for sale at the moment. Houses have been being snapped up within 24 hours. Blocks of land are selling really well. Who was the gentleman who rang the bell? Oh, that's um, that's Bob. Um, that's Bob Hempel. He's in his 80s now. He's retired. He's actually. His um, grandson, Jess, is running it now and he's doing a great job. Your light display um, of the shootout that you've got on, how much did that actually cost? That's the sound and light show. Okay, that's a separate thing. No, it didn't cost all of that. Bob's a real showman. And one day there I was um, looking at his new sign many years ago about how much it cost and uh, he said, oh, just a slight exaggeration. (laughs) (laughs) I said, yes. In regards to the the Late Show clip where Tony throws in the coin into the wishing well, A, is the wishing well still there? And B, have you heard people say, damn, I'm still in Glen Rowan? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The wishing well's still there, but no, I don't think anybody tell me that, damn, they... uh, No, 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 I don't. Now, (laughs) so after when this podcast episode gets released, will you be keeping an ear out for anyone who actually does that now? I or certainly ho- will. I certainly will. Because <laughs> it's a funny thing. I asked my kids, like they're in their 40s, and I said, uh, I rang my son, and it was like, yes. And I said, well, he knew all about it, and I didn't. Of course he knew it. And her daughter um, was talking to someone in Benalla, and they were discussing this only a week or so ago. And I thought, well, somehow or other I've been out of the loop. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, that you do here all the time is they buy a Ned Kelly souvenir and they'll say, this is going straight to the pool room. Oh, and there we go. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so much so that the dialogue that um, I put on the, um, there's a, we, we have um, Ned Kelly armour and um, that my husband makes and he does a a great job of them and it'll be great for your bloke's bar, et cetera, et cetera, Um, or it can go straight to the pool room. That was amazing. Yeah, so great sense of humour, Chris there and Rob and also Bob at the Ned Kelly Museum and the light and sound display at Glen Rowan. Please go there. They are open. They've survived uh, the global financial crisis and COVID, they're still trading and because international travellers can't get there, they need as many local people as possible to go visit. So, but please, by all means, go in there and say that you heard the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Tell it to Chris, she'll get a laugh out of it. Mm. Good work. Tell it to you and find out that it's not as rubbish as Tony and Mick make it out to be.
Mm. No, go <laughs> yeah. in there and be bewildered and be startled. Yeah, like, <laughs> one day I'll make the pilgrimage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did burst the bubble a bit by um, revealing that that Bob was not actually the guy who created this with two million dollars. But <laughs> no, as she said, that the amount that it cost, whatever amount, she didn't actually tell me the amount but it was over exaggerated for whatever the reports are but if you want to believe that it cost this amount of money for it go there and see for yourself and you work out if it costs that much or not and once you go there you can quick, quick <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't mind this um piece uh like it, it did seem that uh tony and mick were just you know they, they just went there and just sort of went what's there that we can poked fun at like it did seem largely improvised um especially uh when a stagecoach went past i really liked uh, the line from mick uh asking the stagecoach driver tariff one or tariff two yeah like (laughs) and to think tone you had to talk me into coming (laughs) (laughs) but the other one that i like is the the coloring in book and the join the dots gee i wonder who that turns out to be And Matt, when you went there, had they restocked the bugger me? The tr- the troops are coming, creamy soda. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they were out of stock, but I did get the Lynch lime. <laughs> ah, excellent. The other thing to mention uh, was um, the convict train used in the film Tim of His Natural Life. And then, again, this is a very uh, Tony Joe, uh, introducing a block of wood as the star of uh, the film Brian Brown. <laughs> recreating his role from Cocktail, which you could have, you know, switched over to Channel 7 and, you know, made the comparison. Yep. Yep. The next uh, segment is, uh, oh, and Santo's on the set and he's talking about the Smokey Dawson chair. But just before we talk about the Smokey Dawson chair, I, I wasn't nerdy enough to do it, but did anybody slow down the um, the fast clips of the like the subliminal stuff that was just in between that i did i used to back in the day when i had a vhs and i'm trying to do it on here but yeah i don't have the um the right kind of buttons i don't have the yeah i I thought this might have been too nerdy to mention really but yeah like (laughs) in in the the little little bumper between uh glenn rowan and uh the next item it's like a one image per frame sort of a thing as far as i can tell it's all of these graphics that have been used in the late show so far like that would have been used for other sketches and so on just played in very rapid succession. Yeah, and then we've got Santo uh, talking about the Smokey Dawson chair and he tries it out in the studio. Good visual yeah. joke there. Yeah, basically just a, an excuse to bring on rodeo clowns, don't you think? <laughs> I, I, I will admit it's such a, an elaborate uh, prop setup for such a, a short, simple joke, really. By the time it turns up on the, the best of videos, I think it's only like what, less than 15 seconds, I think. Yeah. Yeah, quick little visual, yeah. Also, uh, like Santo sort of saying very half-heartedly, I thought to myself, hey, a revolutionary remote-controlled armchair invented by a guy in a cowboy hat. I thought, I want to have one of these, which he says like about as convincingly as I did there. <laughs> <laughs> but that was Rito and Brown acting there. Okay, the next segment is... Mud! The Olden Days, episode 14, Front Bottom's New Image. And we have some new stars in the credits, if you didn't notice. You have Cole Elliott as the young Cole Elliott. (laughs) The Cobb & Co. Precision Driving Team. And and Nolene Donoher as Mara Olden. That's three. That that, that got a great laugh, that last one. Pretty much this episode is all about Front Bottom giving himself a makeover uh, as per (laughs) the pages of Oscar Wilde. 
No, was it Oscar Wilde? No, it no. was um, he was doing Oliver, Oliver Reed. Reed. Oliver and Reed. And he was doing reading Oliver Reed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How to act pissed by Oliver Reed, Esquire. <laughs> yeah. And I love the part where um, he goes to look outside, and then <laughs> he uh, <laughs> was it Mr. Meldrum out. <laughs> Side drunk, you know. Yeah, yeah by face down. Oh, Mr. Meldrum, Lumdrum won't make itself, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this bit of this is is probably um, the Mickey Walk fireside shagging scene. Yes, uh, where where front front bottom makes love to a woman, mu- much to the shock and surprise of of many of his friends and colleagues. <laughs> uh, is is quite a sexy scene for early nineties. 90- Television. I have to say that these scenes of Rush made me really want to f- watch Rush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, ABC, release it on iView. But also, Mutton Chops has gone to Front Bottom's mother to report on him. Drinking, sleeping with women? That doesn't sound like my son. You're a dirty great liar, Judge Mutton Chops. <laughs> <laughs> now, haul ass, was- you old fart. <laughs> 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 Idea, lady, Front Bottom. <laughs> Yeah, cow! <laughs> Shock. How was the scene beforehand, though, where he goes something about Judge Mutton Chop's statue? And because the actors just like stood there, oh, no. completely still. Owen <laughs> Kurtz, just full on pose mode, yeah. Yeah. And that's when they throw in a Thunderbirds joke as well. Very cleverly yeah. done. I also really liked there was a line that Santo had, which was. It's a demarcation dispute, I tell you. <laughs> I thought that was great. So, uh, Every that. line is really, isn't it? F-A-B, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Countdown Classics now with Jane and Tom. So Countdown Classics is back, and they're also highlighting the fact that they've also been ripped off by Italian TV. Benvenuti a Countdown Classics. Esta sera che Julio Iglesias con i pantaloni flares. One. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was yeah. Seeing somebody else in the the beige countdown jacket doing doing the the air drumming. Yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah, yeah. And, and those those platform shoes that Jane always wears as well. The the Italian lady is wearing those. Now uh, the whole episode was all about basically responding to mailbag requests and such as a request for the episode where Elton John and the construction worker from the Village People get into a spa. <laughs> a bit, bit, bit of a uh, read between the as, lines. On that one. As Tom says, as Tom says, it's anatomically impossible anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, they showed the clip of one of my favourites, uh, Status Q. Yes. 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 Yeah. Status Quo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're absolute the... classic. Oh yeah, and uh, and even Tom explains that uh, the person who looks after that was also looking after the O's in Countdown. Yes, it's yeah. quite a shocking joke well, for that era. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 actually, actually, it could it, it could be Countdown. <laughs> oh, could, could be I might, I might just, to, just to uh, just to um, what's the word? Um, um, safen it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I like the way Jane said, "Settle down, settle down." Yeah. <laughs> And Leif Garrett's a pathetic attempt at dancing to the song I Was Made for Dancing. Yeah, he was sort of doing like a daggy side-to-side daggy dad dance, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Leif was... Either Leif really hadn't had much time for rehearsal or, you know, he, he'd imbibed from the buffet backstage beforehand, <laughs> yeah. shall we say. 
<laughs> oh, I really took it as him acting. That was him acting as a bad dancer, and the girls were showing him how. <laughs> felt oh, like so I was made for dancing. Yeah, yeah. Well, the note that I wrote well about about this is that he doesn't seem to know what the routine is, so he just perves on the sexy dancers because you can actually see him kind of like checking out their their tits, you know. <laughs> I wonder if he was checking out the tits on the female singing drummer in uh, the band Peaches. Well, <laughs> who wasn't? You know, <laughs> I, I I do like uh, uh, Jane commenting that it looks more like a young Nolan Donahue. <laughs> I have to squeeze in another one of those jokes. Yeah. And her very, very uh, sage advice to always wear a bra if you are drumming. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was also a clip of uh, Molly's greatest ever interviews, such as the clip of the girls on the lounge from the 100th episode, Mark Hunter from Dragon, uh, and Prince Charles, oh. Rod Stewart and Billy Joel, and all of them were just really awkward. Yeah. It's so mm. awkward. It's like, it's just triggering. I can't watch it. I <laughs> it's very cringy. I cannot watch anything about that Prince Charles interview anymore. I just, I just oh, cannot make contact so with that. Yeah. It is yeah. the most awkward thing on in television history, I think. Oh, well, I'm sure he's very uncomfortable these days, so that Molly thing's nothing compared to <laughs> the other interviews he's had to deal with yeah. this week. I also like the um, the bit from the 100th show where uh, Molly is uh, basically giving the eight or so girls on the couch their own shout-outs going, right, you, you, you. Yeah, that was and yes. Jane, Jane, Jane points out the hello to all the noise kids at the dropping centre. Like, there's so much to unpack there, isn't there? Like, uh, yeah. first of all, what are noise kids? <laughs> like, is that a gang? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's that's the, the name of the group of kids. I don't know what a drop-in centre is. I assume that's sort of somewhere where kids cooler than myself, obviously, just hang out or something. It's yeah, kind of like a, a, you know, a, oh, what would you call it, like a community centre? There used to be one at Southland, which was like, run by the local government and it was really just a place to go and get free condoms and maybe some emergency mental health care or something but it's, it's a like, thing for disadvantaged youth definitely. in quotation marks. Yeah. all right so uh, after a countdown you have a commercial of over-the-top gardening with a touch of dr aaron Bocare in it mm. how funny was the fake snail in the tree <laughs> the yeah. Yeah. like it was <laughs> ridiculous pro- play school prop yeah my, my daughter <laughs> was walking past as I was watching this and she goes, I hope the snail's okay. I was like, it's fake. Don't worry about it. Bye. <laughs> was she upset by the rose bush that needed pruning that was just exploded Monty Python <laughs> style? She, she may have been, but I think she was still thinking about the snail. <laughs> See, they, they reprised that um, exploding bush joke in, in their Burke's Backyard appearance, didn't they? Yeah. They did exactly yeah. that. Yeah. If, you, if you've got aphids or something in your rose bush... Boom! <laughs> As Tommy G's just but, casually walking towards the camera, which is beautifully done in 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 both of these both of those sketches. Yeah. But I I think the, the sign off line for this sketch is horticulture with that touch of violence. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the fact that somewhere along the way Rob has tag teamed in from Tony, and I I wonder to myself if it's because it's just such a a glorious chance to do ridiculous physical comedy, like the way Mick and Rob are sort of running around the backyard spraying Agent Orange everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like a really, like, you can hardly see their faces. It could be anyone, but they're just moving around in such a funny way that it's, yeah, it's yeah. golden. Now we have... 
shirty, the slightly aggressive bear. And Muffin the Hand Puppet keeps interrupting Shirty. So, Shirty offers, sorry, not Shirty, but Jane. Uh, and so, Shirty offers to, quote, shut him up, unquote. I love the, the uh, I guess it's like sign language or body language where Shirty just sort of seems to go, Jane, allow me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she seems very tentatively thankful at the very end. Yeah. Yeah, as uh, as the, the guy with his hand up Muffin's ass uh, goes through some plywood. <laughs> so we think Santo, in, in fact, yeah. it probably is. It it's looks definitely very... a Santo desert boot that flies in the air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll move on to one of Kim's favourite sketches, and that's Viking talk. Yay! <laughs> I had this on my Year Eleven folder because there was a, in Who Who magazine they had a little uh, still photo of this sketch, and I had it proudly displayed on my folder. But this is one of those those ones where I know I keep saying it's the ones with all the quotes, and it's like a little chat show where they just talk about, "Oh, Sven, you look fantastic," and "Oh, yes, I've just spent some time on the Viking fun ship, twelve days and two nights." <laughs> Because they went to Iceland, you see. Um, a little bit of Viking yeah, in there. Yeah. And they kept, the souvenir was a severed head, which which may have been a leftover from the um, houseboat horror um, set, perhaps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that, that quote went so bad. They're talking about fashion and big horns are still in and they're just, they're just all relieved. They go, phew, because they're still wearing their big horns. Um, <laughs> but turkey ducks are, you know, not this year, not this year. I, lo- I love, I love yeah. that our boots are still popular. Yeah. <laughs> And they, they read letters from people um, about correct eating utensils. And so that, that's when uh, Mick says, you need one of these. And one of these just holds up his hands. Um, and you don't need, in the case of venison, you need both your hands. I like the way Tony says, oh, yeah, I've just gotten back from putting Laplanders to the sword. Lapland, yeah. yay. Nobody <laughs> likes Lapland. <laughs> Don't forget there was also the commercial, which they did in between the... Inf- <laughs> the Gillette. <laughs> yeah, the Gillette twin blade broadsword. With the lubricating strip. Yeah. <laughs> the second blade cuts even closer. The absolute gold of this, get, I think, is the song, don't you reckon? In the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Sell the seven seas. Yeah, there's some really great lines in that, like... Uh, Still be back in time for tea. You can catch a strange disease. Wear a jumper all your freeze. I wonder if this is one of those um, midnight shenanigans ones from La Joke. I'm not sure why I think that, but because um, I never went. Mm. There. But maybe I could see working on stage. You know, it, it's that which is why they do it live in the studio. Yeah, it certainly benefits from from that live audience reaction. Oh, we want you, we want you, we want you as a Norseman too. <laughs> <laughs> so the next sketch is, uh, and now this one is a bit different. Uh, it's kind of like a wild man type thing where they're out and about doing it. And it is the expedition overland trek to the South Pole by a group of primary school teachers. The only thing which I felt like this one kept going on and on and on, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Takeaways I got, the, the big laughs I got from it was it was filled with squabbles, tiffs, spats, quarrels, and an all-in Barney and a huff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this one because it's um, one of those ones that you really easily forget about. It's like, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And, there, of course, this goes on the whiteboard for having lots of Rob and Jane 
in love moments, I, I felt. <laughs> they weren't talking to each other, remember? They weren't talking to each other. They were talking through the others. Yes. There's usually a, a, a criticism from people on the right-wing side of politics that there's no uh, sort of attacks by the left about the left and like to, to me this seems like like a, a very uh, left-wing attack like it sort of seems to be about yeah about all those personal attacks and internal politics there's leadership problems and votes and squabbles and yeah it, it does seem, seem to be about all that sort of bad stuff on the yeah. left really it's a little opinion. bit like rewriting the python uh you know judea's people's front kind of <laughs> yeah. insane infighting and but I did love it because they were all—they were all wearing like they're in the snow. First of all, amazing that they've gone and shot and sketched at the actual snow, and they're yes. all wearing these blazers with, um, you know, elbow patches on them. Yeah, <laughs> very geography teacher. Yeah. And there's this bit where uh, Rob falls over and hurts his arm, and Jace goes, "Oh, if only we had some ice." <laughs> I think it was uh, Jane's character says, you know, like, maybe we don't need a leader. And then like later on, they have a vote for leader and basically each person votes for themselves. It feel, But it feels very real to life. I mean, certainly I have experienced workplaces where things get a bit like this, the office politics and the dynamics between different different staff who, who are all basically from the same profession. Yeah. And they and they all kind of as as you say daniel hold a sort of left of center point of view but but even despite these similarities they just all clash with each other and go off in completely different directions and nothing ever happens so they ever really get to the north pole they just sort of go round and round in circles in the snow just saying that again uh, that they go around in circles and never do anything does sound a lot like the hollow men and utopia as well so i would say that yeah. these sort of sketches these sort of dynamics certainly have informed their later work yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very well-scripted one. Like, there's lots of little funny lines, like, this is a direct challenge to my authority as a leader. <laughs> and Tom does a classic sort of Captain America where he goes, Norman, please, language, because he's just said something like that. They've all got very lefty kind of names as well, like Damien, Rowan, Adrian, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jeremy, who is Rob, is <laughs> wakes up in the morning and go, "Yes, it's true. Anne and I did quarrel last this morning." <laughs> it's, it is quite, uh, yeah, easily forgettable. But once you find it again, you go, "Wow, this is pretty good." Although, mind you, the audience didn't seem so because the whole thing just ends on total silence. I, I do still stand by the fact that the audience was a mythical and b a little bit dumb. I'm sorry about that. And if you were a member of the Late Show, it is <laughs> we would love to hear from you. Send us a tweet at TLS Champagne. The next sketch is... Shirty, the slightly aggressive bear. Again, and Shirty has been very, very naughty, drinking too much honey from his Johnny Walker bottle. And after assaulting everyone, he gets a lobotomy. Also goes on the Robin Jane whiteboard. This is pretty funny, the way he's sort of getting really uh, drunk. Touchy. Yeah. Touchy. Touchy-feely mm. with Jane. And there is this moment where you can just see Jane pissing herself. <laughs> like she's lost it and really laughing. It runs into one flew over the cuckoo's nest territory, which does that mean that Miss Jane is um, Nurse Ratchet or...? All right, now we have commercial crime stoppers with Mick and Santo. And this is possibly one of the 
I find it funny anyway. The um, the lounge suite warehouse commercial. At LSW, we've cut costs so far, our staff sing the jingle. Now, the only thing I'm thinking of is if it was called a lounge suite depot, then this will be LSD, and that would be a perfect reason why they're bloody singing that song. <laughs> In that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's it's always a sure thing when when a, a company's own staff are in the ads. You you like you you'll see a lot of it um, uh, later on in the montage too. Speaking of the montage, I did hear one thing which uh, we have spoken about in the past. Now, Alison and Daniel, do you recognise this bit? G'day, Renella Bob here, and the Dindy Bob over here. You won't recognise it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. This this compilation has got. Quite a few crappy ads from Adelaide in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apart from the, the infamous Bob Moran, there's the central furnishing discount. Yeah, no, they, they, they don't they, they don't explain it, but yeah, the the, the guy with the weird Italian accent, uh, yeah, is accounts which yeah allows them at the end of the ad to say which account, hey, discount. Yeah, <laughs> which is a, a brilliant part, of course. And and I think is the Godfrey's man is he is he an Adelaide guy? You know, no, the, we've got them in Melbourne too. I think okay. it, I think right. it might have, I think it might have been Melbourne originally because it was Godfrey's and other places, but I think it was Ozvac in Adelaide for a while. Yes, and, yes, and, and, it, and, it, and it turned and it turned back to Godfrey's eventually. And, and another sort of Adelaide reference, we've got some an appearance of George Danikian, who, of course, read the Channel 10 News for, for many, many years. Well, no, it was a George Danikian lookalike. It wasn't actually him. Yeah, yeah just as a... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just as a Native American Indian. Printer, calculator, how much? Yeah. I'm so glad that you had that clip because I was blown away by that printer calculator. I mean, if, if there's ever a piece of e-waste, it's the printer calculator. <laughs> It was only $18. What the shit are you doing? <laughs> Printing off numbers from your calculator. I don't know. I've got no respect. <laughs> uh, the, the only other thing to mention out of the montage is right up at the end, the big potato. <laughs> I yeah. that. We I want to know we, more about the big potato. Oh, no, yeah, me too. It's like, how dare they put that in a montage? We need a whole clip on the big potato. Well, see, un- un- yeah. unfortunately, as as far as I can tell, there's no actual big potato statue or anything like that near it. It must have been some sort of a potato restaurant. Um, but, yeah, it's now a subway. Uh, it's uh, on uh, Main North Road in Prospect, Adelaide. But all they showed was a picture of an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, it was just a big potato. Just to go back to the lounge suite warehouse, we, we um, had Mick basically trying to sell the GST <laughs> just oh, with, yeah. the, with those Groucho sunglasses. Yeah, um, I actually had a look online to see where Lounge Suite Warehouse is now and it, it actually went out of business about four or five years ago and the complaints on product review are just crazy. They, it gets an average <laughs> at one star because a lot of times <laughs> they sell things that they claim is a leather, so lounges. Um, are actually imitation leather. Well, this is all allegedly. <laughs> so this is yeah. what their reviews are like on there. So, yeah. I mean, why real, would you trust a real sailing ad like that? Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait, I think they're consumers. <laughs> Don't go for the dodgy. Let the lounge be. <laughs> 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 
Let the imitation leather do it for you. <laughs> on that note, we will move on. <laughs> and we now have the time. How could they, how could they not sell a million loud sweets with that? <laughs> <laughs> Was that the toilet break? No, no. <laughs> well, the toilet break... Makes had... me want to go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, the toilet break uh, had the Ted Hamilton experience. Brian May in the ABC show band, who actually uh, wrote the original Rush theme. So there's a little Easter egg for you. And Ted Hamilton singing the Beatles something. This one wasn't very funny, was it? It no. was a little bit like a no. mini documentary or something, but it was a shame it didn't have any dancing in it. All you saw was the occasional dancer's hip that moved yeah. in the frame and then moved out again. And then back to Ted, what's his face, doing a shonky version of something. Yeah, yeah I wasn't impressed. Nah, it was just yeah, a- I mean, the, the music the music was okay. Like, you know, the, his, his version of something was fine. But but what what sort of really makes the toilet break, I think, is, is well, colour, one, and this was in black and white. Yeah. And you know, bright, colourful costumes and crazy dancing and, and, and maybe a setting like a, a boat or a swimming pool or, or something. And and this had none of those things, you know, so it was a bit of a rubbish toilet break, I thought. It was, you know, pretty swinging, though. It was, yeah. yeah. Like it a, was swinging. Off of Patra's version of something, but it wasn't too bad. But it, it started wobbly. Mm. Didn't get me on side. You know what I mean? We'll move on to the next sketch. And, oh, it's one of the fans' favourites, and that is how to host a dinner party with uh, Snobby Rob. One one of the classics. Yeah. It is a classic, yeah. isn't it, this one? My favourite is, and I think it's everyone's favourite, is this part. Related during the week, I actually saw Basic Instinct. And <laughs> as a man... <laughs> 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 As a, as a man, I feel offended. The roles of women are disgraceful. Gee, I love the film. Oh, so do I. So do I. I love it too. Maybe I'm sensitive because I've been doing a lot of work with the uh, Women's Committee on the uh, non-genderfication of vocab. <laughs> How close was that? We uh, actually, during the week, we had a win. We changed... <laughs> We changed, we changed Walkman to Walkperson. Mm, yeah. oh, oh, I love that. Yeah. And you know what? Even though this is a podcast and we're on Google Meet, where every one of us did that. We all did the neck movements. <laughs> yeah, Daniel and Allison especially. Throwing <laughs> their head back. So that, that's a beauty of this sketch. That part there, you don't even need to see the visual for it. You can just hear his head movements. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and the way he kind of sucks in the breath kind of <laughs> as well. It's I mean, I, I love this so much and, and I kind of think that of of all the many roles that Rob's done and he, he does almost all of them brilliantly. This feels like the role he was born to play. You know, <laughs> this kind of this kind of up his own ass, pretentious prick type character. Rob Sitch is just brilliant at these. And and I think he in he reprises this character in another dinner party sketch at some point, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He does. Yeah. But it's great. And and that and the the two women who've obviously been plucked out of the audience and then you know they they start laughing and then the the rest of the cast start laughing at various points and they they all keep it together though it, it's great I love 
package so much. Yeah, the brilliant part uh, with Mick was like he was in his element where Jane was asking him all the questions, and, you know, what do you do? And yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he makes pornos. He says it very sort of softly and matter-of-factly, matter really. <laughs> mm-hmm. I make pornos. Yeah. I, I do love that bit with Mick, and he's gone, you know, <laughs> she's trying to matchmake the person from yeah. him. And yeah. she goes, yeah, her husband died last week. And Mick goes, great, great. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then finds out that that she runs a women's refuge. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. you can hook me up with some women. <laughs> yeah. And Santo always constantly trying to show pony and uh, you know everything that he's doing. You know, oh yeah, we're talking about this last week. We're going to put the scaffolding and all that stuff. <laughs> I've got photos, one for everyone. He yeah. passes the six copies in a clockwise direction. And yeah. then the, he mentioned his his architect, and he just opens the plans and spreads it all over the table. There's a a line that I don't know if I've caught before, actually. It's during the bit where it's at the start where Jane is sort of apologising for everything and then um, and Tom sort of says, and, you know, something like she's even apologising for the invasion of Poland and she goes, oh, I'm sorry I invaded Poland and then one of the others... (laughs) goes oh i would have done exactly the same thing (laughs) (laughs) but the way that they wrapped it up was perfect as well i know everyone why don't we watch the late show get out of here (laughs) (laughs) just like this podcast next sketch is the golfomatic swiss army knife yeah 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 and i've got um it's kind of reminds me i've got this book here about the um, un- un-useless Japanese inventions, you know, the uh, Shindogu, which is kind of the inventions that don't really, that, that aren't really useful at all, even though they look useful. So let me give you an example because the golf golf um, implements actually factor quite a lot in this book. So one of them I have here is um, a golf club that actually dries the laundry. So it actually has um, <laughs> eggs on the end of it. And so when you swing it, it actually um, helps dry your laundry. Um, and then there's actually another golf one in this book that I have. So they really love their golf. And I thought this is actually a few years after the late show so that maybe they, they watch the episode. Um, this one's an umbrella that has a golf club on it so you can improve your swing on the train during the morning commute. Um, and then there's another one which is um, – it's a golf club that actually um, has – it's a drive um, club that actually has um, like a hoe on it that you can actually use and, and, and to drive out your weeds, literally. Um, and you'll, in doing so, you'll strengthen your golfing muscles and improve hand-eye coordination. There you go. And but, then, but hang on. Surely you've got to put the divot back once you've oh, – oh, The added bonus is that there is no need to replace the divots, although this is not a habit to be carried out onto the – country club so you meant to use it in your garden ah, not the golf okay, club right. so there you go uh, oh, there's also um the amateur gardeners do it all which is a 10-in-one gardening tool um so that's very similar to the golf club here which is a multifaceted swiss army um which is not a multifaceted swiss army pen knife it is um a 10-in-one gardening cool tool incorporating two sizes of shovel hoe blade saw set of pruning shears and several other gardening implements all in one moderately compact unit. I was going to say, if you buy that... Yes, I'm a gullible prat with more money than brains and I'd like to order the revolutionary all-in-one golf matic I understand that should I be any way dissatisfied with the product, I can stick it up my ass. <laughs> the other line that I like in this uh, is from Tony saying, but wait, no reason, but thanks anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
all of this was written mainly for voiceover and they've sort of gone how the heck are we going to make this visual and the answer was stick Michael Hirsch in a bad sweater and get him down the golf course and just get him to do weird shit with the, the golf matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, surely the star of the scene is the is the prop itself. I mean, it is pretty funny. Well, after the golfomatic, we have the sketch of a cliche quiz show. Yeah, yeah, it's meant to be um, seventh century, really, isn't it? And it's just a, a bunch of they just kind of run through a bunch of kind of tropes and cliches of of how contestants behave on programs like Saturday of the Century. Yeah, mm. but they do say that it is tedious towards the end because they kept saying, who's being tedious? Who's being... <laughs> yeah. There we go. Me? <laughs> but again, Rob is in a very amusing red wig from the wig. <laughs> ah, yes. Yes. It's like that's the comedy colour, really, isn't it? <laughs> so um, other than that sketch, uh, we've got Graham and the Colonel. And, yeah, Graham and the Colonel also have been ripped off uh, overseas from uh, Chicago. And you have uh, the great Christopher Kirby as well as a, a African American Graham. Yeah. Doing do, doing the same sort of they they did a joke about gold uh, gold medals being one being made out of chocolate, which I'm sure that the Australian Graham and the Colonel did uh, very early on in the season. They did, yeah. Yeah, when they were doing the Olympics, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to disc this Graham and the Colonel because it's got one of the best bits that I'm sure you're about to explain, Matt. No, no, you are. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a highlight of yeah, Graham and the Colonel. It, it is a good one, yeah. But so, just before that happens, the comment that they make after the... Um, Santos comment. Yeah, yeah, about, oh, they should have done a black and white minstrel version. I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think I think yeah. realised that as well, and so did, so did Rob. And, the, and yeah. then he just threw the piece of paper and went, oh, let's move on to the next bit. Let's move on, yeah, yeah, delete. And then I think, he, yeah, Rob even said, I hope no one's taping tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, sorry. Oh, no, that, that's, that's, that's to the nudes. Yeah. Was yeah. that in relation to that or the other one? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was further along. Yeah. along yeah. yeah, sadly we did tape it and we're still watching it. <laughs> 30 years later. <laughs> right, here we go. This is a very great moment in the history of Rob Sitch and Santa Tolara. I'm sorry, but the first shot of this Madonna book. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Harness racing without their pants. <laughs> sorry. Nude, uh, nude stump cam. <laughs> now, when, when they showed striking out the netball, did you notice the page? On the opposite side. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. who couldn't? <laughs> that, that, that's that's why they said they hope no one was taping. Yeah, where it, what was on the other side? I didn't notice. In I was too big busy. writing. And in big writing, they uh, drop a visual f bomb. The, the the phrase "I'll teach you how to f." Oh, uh, because that's actually the Madonna. That's yeah. Mm. That's uh, actual. That's from the who, book. Who, who would have thought? Oh, you've got a copy of the sex book. No. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I saw you moving your, your webcam to the, the screenshot from, from the VHS. And, and I, saw, I, saw a, I saw a big wire bound book and I thought that was the sex book. That's just an ordinary Spyrax, isn't it? Yeah. Indeed, it is. I feel like we've all had long discussions, maybe on the forum, we about did, yeah. that shot. And whether it was photoshopped or whether they were just wearing like actors' socks over the area or something. <laughs> and also when they're washing uh, Karen Saxby's walking shorts. That's, that's a funny gag. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is that is a slightly creepy um, element to, to their their photo shoot, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> each to their own. 
It's, it's many people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, other places were uh, you know caddying naked for Jan Stevenson, <laughs> and that's when Rob's just gone. That's one we should have forgotten. Yeah, yeah why? Because I didn't see the photo quick enough. Yeah, it was a quick glimpse and it was gone. And uh, then that's when they go into the rendition of Vogue because yeah. who did it first? Yeah. Your old pals, Graham and the Colonel. It's called Pose, isn't it? That that Sorry, seems to be the lyric. I don't, I don't know what you're talking Pose. about. I, don't, I didn't mean to say Vogue. I meant Pose. Ah, yeah. yeah. Now, I, I need I need someone at, at this end to help me with this, but Pose. <laughs> And also the the realization that they've been wearing those cone bras underneath their green yeah. blazers the whole time, which is yeah, because they're they're, they're they're sort of leaning forward with their arms crossed, trying to trying not to spoil the joke, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, they did well. Well, that's why Rob. If you watch it again, Rob is always constantly, I guess, moving or kind of being modest. Yeah, covering yeah, up, yeah, covering up <laughs> yeah. as best as he could. Yeah, and he's like, oh, let's get this over and done with. Like, that's like, you can just see that in his face. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, but come on, I want to do this Vogue thing. I mean, pose thing. <laughs> I'm so glad they did it though, because they were they were literally running out of time. Great uh, lyrics uh, written there about all these sort of really bizarre, very Aussie sporting people and sporting moments. You know, Gerard Healy had all standing Cappers X in a magazine, capping it off with with all these very sort of yeah daggy poses. So you know, like you had netball and you had bowling and yeah footy yeah. yeah. And we have the closing, and because they are now pushed for time, they had to wrap up very quickly. So after the yeah. credits roll, yeah, they... as, as as Tony says, we've gone disgracefully over time. Any Easter egg credits in the, in the system, Daniel? If you've got any. Um, well, yeah, we had the uh, we had Wendy Australis as the work experience script editor, and uh, we had Michael Hirsch as inexplicable tool. Which is, uh, that's 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 either referencing the Holden setback or the Golf Matic. Uh, your choice. Yeah. And yeah, quite a hell of a lot of special guests, and I would say most of them would have been uh, from the overseas parodies. Uh, it's too many for me to rattle off here. And then you had audience tickets with Graham and the still in Madonna costume and uh, Santo is just full on mucking around and Rob's just trying to get on with it. (laughs) If you want to be part of the intellectualism that is the late show. (laughs) The other one going, I'm I'm a a Scanlon's footy card. I'm I'm Peter McKenna. Yes. (laughs) Even I got that one and I'm not a big sports fan. So, uh, yeah, other than that, that does wrap up season one, episode 14 of the late show. And before we wrap up, we still got to do our little prize thing, which, you know, is that competition of record your own quote. There's plenty more in this one. So here's a quick montage of the entries already. What's all that about? I made love to her like a tiger. G'day from uh, Dominic. How are you? Do you believe in mental telepathy? No, I hear you think. I may be ugly, but at least I'll never be as ugly as an angular webber. And our prize. We got Ripper, the first one from episode one of The Late Show. Ooh. Fake Tan, the book from their later ah. work as a working dog. Oh, I think I just broke the vinyl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I just dropped the book on top of the vinyl and I had a noise. Uh, D-Generation, Big Bubba Booker of the Aussie Heroes. Ah! Unopened DVD of Any Questions for Ben. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's uh, the prize pack so far, the Pisswick prize pack, which I sent out a tweet earlier with the, those uh, things. And depending on the budget, we may expand more. But we'll give that away when we get to Season 1, Episode 20, because I think we've held on for way too long with that. Yeah. So all you have to do yep. is... Re- plenty of time to get your entries in, guys. Get your entries in. Get Nice to have some women as well contributing to this competition, I think. Exactly. So record your message on your phone or whatever device you got and send it to champagnelateshow at gmail.com. If you can't record on your phone, do it on YouTube or whatever. Put it on private or unlisted and send it to us if you want to be discreet. Uh, we'll work it out. Or you can just send us a tweet at TLS Champagne and we can go from there. I'm sure that we can do something underneath the table to try and get your entry in. Please do. We've only got five, and I know there's so many people downloading. I've got the stats, trust me, and it's not me hitting refresh a million times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, other than that, um, yeah, that wraps up the episode. And so I just yeah. want to say thank you very much, uh, Prue, Kim, Daniel, and Alison, for coming on again. Thanks. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We've, gone gone we've gone disgracefully over time, so let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very we much. We do every time. Yeah. You can get our podcast on any uh, po- uh your favorite podcast provider, iTunes, Google, uh you know, iHeart, everything like that. So and hit us up at the Late Show Facebook page or champagnecomedy.com. I'm Matt. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time. Bye everyone. Bye. 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 I'll be wishing well, so while I'm here, I might just make a bit of a wish myself. (laughs) Damn, I'm still in Glen Rowan. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.